Tim, thank you so much for uh, leading us in a song that many of us have not heard before. When I spoke with Tim earlier this week, uh, he said, this is a song I'd, I'd love for us to, to learn, and I said, this is going to go perfect with what I'm working on this morning, and what I, hopefully the Lord will uh, speak through me to you, this idea of having this amazing grace. Who brings our chaos back into order? The King above all kings. Well, this morning what I want to do is I want to talk about several quotes that I have come to appreciate and try to apply my to my own life over time. This first one is pretty simple. Everything hurts, and if it doesn't hurt, it doesn't work. <laughs> The second one is, 10% of life is what is given to you, and the other 90% is what you make of it. And I love this one. Whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. And the last one. The only thing worse than learning from your mistakes is not learning from your mistakes. So much of life is about learning. We learn some from books, some from other people, and a whole lot we've begun to learn from YouTube. It's amazing the things that we can teach ourselves and what we can learn. But most of all, we learn from life experiences. I spent four years getting my undergrad in youth and family ministry, specifically to work with teens. I then spent seven years as a youth minister working specifically with teenagers. And I thought I had a grasp of what it was like to try to teach and parent a teenager. And then I had one in the house. And then I had a second one in the house. And I know nothing about being a parent that I haven't learned from experience. The little bit in class and the little bit from watching other people was helpful. But really experiencing life as the parent of a teenager has helped me and scared me. <laughs> And made me want to hide under a table. But we learn so much from experiences. I understood the hurt of suffering through two miscarriages. More than I ever learned from all the classes that I took involving grief and loss. It was through those heartaches that I could look and listen and understand the pains of a young couple is they experience a loss and the pain that they felt through it. I knew more about forgiveness when I had to wrestle with forgiving others and being forgiven myself. It's the way of life. It's learning. It's doing. Sure, we can learn some from reading. We can learn some from watching. But we really learn as we go through those experiences ourselves. About a year ago, uh, my truck, which was being passed over to Wyatt, was having some issues. Uh, and I did a little bit of research and decided that I thought it was a fuel pump. 
And so I did what every normal person would do. I went on YouTube and Googled how to fix a fuel pump on a 2000 Chevy Silverado. And they said the best way to do it is to pull the bed off. And I thought that's the craziest thing ever. But I watched the video multiple times. I prepared myself. I got my tools. I called some friends to help me lift up the, the bed. And it took about three hours. I got the fuel pump in, the bed on, and it worked fine. Until about three weeks ago. And I had the same symptoms again. And I didn't have to Google it. And I didn't go on YouTube. I immediately got online. I ordered the part. It came in. And without watching any videos and without calling a bunch of friends over, Wyatt and I unbolted the bed, pulled it off, replaced the pump, put it back on in just under an hour and ten minutes. I mean, I thought this was awesome. And the reason why is because I had experienced it before. I knew what tools that I needed. I remembered a, a few things that I'd, I'd gotten me stuck before. And the experience of it helped me as I went through it again. Learning is a part of life. Peter learned on the beach. Paul learned on the road. Mary learned at the tomb. And even though all of them had had training before and training after, nothing prepared them or taught them for when Peter was on the beach and Jesus says, I forgive you, I love you, feed my sheep. And nothing could teach Paul, not all the learning that he had from Gamaliel, nothing would teach him like the light on the road and seeing Jesus for the first time. And all the stories and the dreams and the angels that would come to Mary and talk to her, none of them would impact her like the moment she was in the garden at the tomb, and the angel said, He is not here. He hath risen. It's these life experiences that help us learn. In fact, the definition of insanity proves it. If you do the same thing over and over again, but you expect different results, you don't learn anything and you are insane. You're just not learning. The Bible and this decade-long series of going through the lives of these individuals are all about us learning. We should be compelled to learn. We should apply it and we should be transformed as we open up the Bible and learn about these stories. But every once in a while, we are met with a surprise. And our next individual, the one we'll talk about this morning, tells a different story altogether. I don't know how to say it other than this. Some mistakes are worth making again. Because in doing so, that's when we really learn. You all should be familiar with this passage. About three years ago, I preached a sermon on it. It is uh, the book of Hosea. Some of you may remember this, others it may be unfamiliar to you, but I pray that you will open up your eyes and ears and heart 
as the Lord teaches us once again and helps us to learn. So I want to start off in verse 2 of Hosea chapter 1. It says, When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go take yourself an adulterous wife and children of unfaithfulness. And we have to stop there. I know it's not a period, it's just a comma, but I really want you to soak in those words. And the first thing I want to say, and if I've said it once, I've said it a million times, be very careful when you ask God to speak to you. Because every time he speaks to people, he asks them to do things that are really, really crazy. He asks Abraham to leave his family, and later on he would ask him to go sacrifice his only son. He would call Moses out to lead two million people through the desert and hang out there for 40 years. And here... God speaks to Hosea and he says to him these ten words. Go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. Think about that. Don't don't just skim past those ten words. Imagine, ponder, and question. I'm just curious. What does that dating process look like for Hosea? Can we just stop there? I know there's only ten words, but can we just imagine, because this is a person who had a life and was called by God to do something crazy, can you imagine what that would have looked like? Oh, I'm I'm sorry, it's... It's not you, it's, it's me. I'm actually looking for someone uh, who is a little less faithful than what you seem to be. Next. Um, ma'am, would, would you say that you're promiscuous? Oh, okay. So you say you're apt to cheating. All right. Very good. By the way, what's your stance on adultery? Oh, okay. And, and what is the likelihood that you would leave your husband and children and become a prostitute? Oh, oh, that's, that's very good. What is your name again? Oh, Gomer. Is that with two M's or just one? Oh, okay, I'm, I just have one more question. What is your ring size? Can you imagine that conversation? Can you imagine as he has to go out and find someone who he believes will be unfaithful and then he pledges to be faithful to her? This is the story of Hosea. And so if you haven't already, stop and ask why. This is really important. Why would God ask Hosea to find an unfaithful woman to marry her and to have children? Well, God is going to answer that in Hosea chapter 1, verse 2, part B. This is after 
the comma. He first says, go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. You see, what God wants Hosea to see, what He wants Israel to see, what He wants His followers to see, is that God wants them to understand the hurt that He feels. God wants His people to spend a moment in His shoes. And I don't think it's because He wanted to punish them. It's because He wanted to teach them. He wanted them to know the pain that is involved with unfaithfulness. God wanted to show His people that their infidelity, that their iniquity, that their idolatry brought Heartache upon heartache. You know, we could land right here for the rest of the morning. When we choose money or fears or pleasures or selfish desires or anything over God, We're breaking His heart. Somewhere along the line, we got the idea that when we are unfaithful to God, that His first emotion is that of anger. But the anger God has only comes after the heartbreak of watching people that He created and loved and has provided for and sustained and redeemed and shown love over and over and over again. Every morning, the sun rises on unfaithful people because God continues to be faithful and His heart breaks because of our unfaithfulness. Like a wife cheating on a husband, our sin breaks God's heart. And it breaks because He loves you. It breaks because He chose you. It breaks because He has been faithful to you. And He has tried to woo you closer to Him. Like I said, we could just stay here. Think about the pain of loving someone and seeing them turn and walk away after you have done everything to help that relationship. To watch them walk away, and choose another lover. That is the pain that God feels because of our sin. And so what happens next? If you aren't familiar with the book of Hosea, you might be surprised. Verse 3, Hosea obeys God. He chooses to marry a woman by the name of Gomer. And if that's not a bad name, it gets worse. They have children. 
The first one is named Jezreel. If you're not familiar with Jezreel, it is a city that was home to evil, violence, and the queen Jezebel. They have a second child named Lo-Ramaha, which means not pitied, no mercy, and not loved. And then they have a third child and name that child, Not My People. Can you imagine naming your children that? The name of a terrible city. The second one, the middle child called Not Love. That's what most middle children feel like anyway. And the third one, not my people. What a lovely family. So lovely, in fact, that Gomer leaves her faithful husband and her three children. Now, honestly, if you look real closely, and it doesn't take much, if you look, chapter 1 ends with the, the three children being born and named. Chapter 2, we have God uh, has a punishment for Israel, but then He says, I'm going to renew you, I'm going to redeem you. And then chapter 3 opens up and God says, go get your wife back. So we can only assume from the text that Gomer left her husband. And this is what we have in chapter 3, verse 1 of Hosea. Excuse me, I've lost my place. The Lord said to me, Go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. And so he calls Hosea, to go back. He says, go, go get your wife. Though she has been unfaithful to you, go get her, bring her back, and love her just as you did before. But I find this really interesting. I want to go continue on reading. He says, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. Did you catch that? Seemed a little weird. Why was that included in there? I really want to, I mean, I got to be honest with you. I'm a little picky. I'm not that picky. But I don't know what it would take to draw me away from God that involves food. But I can tell you this, it's not raisin cakes. I mean, doesn't that seem kind of petty? That the people of Israel that had been fed by God, that they had been brought into a land flowing with milk and honey, that they'd been given this place and God had loved them and sustained them and they're drawn away from God by raisin cakes. And as silly as that sounds, Satan uses some of the silliest things to draw our attention from God. The forbidden fruit might have been an apple and maybe raisin cakes are what draw people 
away from God during Hosea's time? But how many of us are drawn away from God by a little electronic device we carry in our pockets? I mean, at least raisin cakes are edible. But here's the point. God calls Hosea to love an unfaithful woman. And when she proves to be unfaithful, God taps Hosea on the shoulder again and says, Go get her. It's a mistake that's worth making twice. Why would God do this? Ask yourself the question. Because God loves you more than you love raisin cakes and money and comfort and cell phones and even yourself. He knows what you did and He still calls you to be His bride. And He offers forgiveness. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethal of barley. And I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man. And I will behave in the same way towards you. Hosea called Gomer back into relationship after she had run away, after she had given herself into a life of prostitution. He brought her back, he bought her, and he established boundaries that says, I will love you, I am erasing the past, and let's build a future, one that involves you loving me and me loving you. And this is what God has called all of us to. He says, I know your past. I know your sin. I know all of your mistakes. I know your thoughts. And I love you. And I want to draw you back to me because the life that you're in, those, that life of sin and desires and running is exhausting and it's painful and it's unsatisfying and you can only find joy in me. You'll never find it out there. There's not enough Raisin cakes and prostitution or money or anything that can bring you joy. Like being in relationship with the Almighty God. But some of you, some of you think you're Gomer and you've done too much and you've gone too far and you can't come back. And this is really the story of Hosea. It's not about weird names and raisin cakes. It's not about an unfaithful woman. 
It's about a faithful God who is chasing you. And who says, in your sin, I want to buy you. Notice that. He doesn't wait for Gomer to say, you know what? It's really not good enough. I'm tired of this life. I want to go back. God chases us into the streets. He rescues us. He pays for us. And He calls us to forgive and to be forgiven. And so the story of Hosea is that He chose the unfaithful. And that's the story of our God. The greatest story ever is that He chose the unfaithful. He chose me. He knows all my terrible things that I would never ever want you to know. That I would be so afraid of and ashamed of if it got out. But God knows those and He called me. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows your hurts and your sins and He's running towards you and He pulls you away and says, I want to redeem you. I want to buy you back. Come and be with me. Be faithful to me and I am faithful to you. This is the story of a God who loves. And I pray this morning that as we sing this song of encouragement that you remember that God has redeemed and paid for you. Please join me together as we stand and sing.